Good afternoon. Welcome to Bill Allen's Facebook Studies. Glad to have you today and glad that you're joining in on this discussion. Uh, we're using a book by Oswald Chambers, a daily devotional book called My Utmost for His Highest. He's a very thoughtful and excellent writer and I've been appreciating his thoughts and they've been challenging. And sometimes I even question some of the direction he's going, but that's okay. Uh, because that's why we read with our eyes open, as I like to say, and listen with our eyes open and our ears open as well. So today we're looking at a, a, a wonderful uh, chapter in his book that we've read. If you're reading along with that, um, possibly you might be, most probably or not, and are just listening in on the studies each week. But I can tell you that over the last week or so, we read a, a, a wonderful day's reading that had to do with prayer. But it was uh, something that was focused more on uh, the confusion that we have when God doesn't answer our prayers the way we think maybe God should answer them. Uh, one of the things that everyone here at West Irwin likely knows about me is, because I keep repeating it on sermons, is uh, I've come to believe two things about God. One, that God exists, and two, that I'm not Him. And so if I'm not Him, then that means that there are some things that God might do that I probably wouldn't do if I were God. And that's okay. That's why I trust in Him and His knowledge and His uh, wisdom and His love and His care. So as we consider these things, let me say hello to my dear cousin Gail. Wonderful to see Gail and Keith always chiming in. And my dear, dear friends, Eric and Cindy Mosley. Love seeing you guys and your family across the way on Sunday mornings. Uh, so let's think about this idea of the confusion that we have when God doesn't seem to be acting quite like we think God should act, and specifically regarding our prayers. Uh, there are two chapters out of Luke where Jesus tells some stories, we might say short parables, where he just gives a couple of illustrations about prayer. And so I want us to get to that in just a moment, but first let me read an introductory paragraph from Oswald Chambers. He writes, there are times in your spiritual life when there is confusion, and the way out of it is not simply to say, well, what? let's pause for a moment there. What, what do we typically say? As a preacher, I can tell you that if someone comes to me and says, you know, I keep praying, but I'm very confused about where God is, I want to try to uh, help them get out of that. You know, our default reaction is to say, well, you shouldn't be confused about your prayers to God. You shouldn't be confused uh, about that. It's kind of like saying you shouldn't have doubts in your faith. Well, here's here's the thing. I, I've come to believe, and it's, it's belief, that faith is just that. It's faith. Faith is not sight. And that means sometimes we're not going to quite get it. Sometimes we're going to wonder and worry and have doubts. I realize that Paul says in Philippians 4, and I just finished a sermon series on Philippians 4. Hope that you uh, heard those last couple of sermons out of chapter 4 because actually the sermon series was on all of Philippians, but the last couple of lessons were on that wonderful chapter 4. 
So I hope that if you haven't listened to any of the rest of them, that you might go back and listen to those two on our website, which is westerwin.com, and that's Irwin with an E, R-W-I-N.com. You click on the tab that says Connect, scroll down to where it says Live Stream, and go down to where it says Archives, and that's where all of these lessons are, including my previous sermons. All of that to say, there's a great passage in Philippians 4 that we're very familiar with, uh, and that is, it says, don't... Don't be anxious about anything. And I get that. I get that. And uh, <laughs> at great risk of sounding like I'm saying something that's contrary to what the Bible says, I do think there are times when we are anxious. Uh, and I get that Paul says, don't be anxious about anything. But his comment is about prayer. He says, but in everything, with uh, prayer, through prayer, through supplication, with gratitude and thanksgiving in your heart, let your requests be made known to God. And then the next verse we're familiar with as well, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so I get that. The answer to the anxiety that we typically feel in this life is to pray about it, okay? That's wonderful, but what happens if we don't get the answer that we hope for? Or what happens if we feel like God isn't answering us at all? And things just go right along as they have always gone on. That's, that's where that confusion comes in. And I have to say, we get that. Paul in 2 Corinthians 12 said, I had this thorn in the flesh, whatever that was. And he says, I, I felt like I could be a much better minister and missionary and disciple of Christ and apostle of Christ if if that was done away with it, hey, I'm an apostle, I have miraculous powers, the gift of the Spirit, I'm going to pray about that and ask God to take that thorn away. And God said, no. God said, no. In fact, Paul says, three times I prayed. And maybe he means prayed once, prayed twice, prayed th three times, and then stopped praying about it. Or maybe he's saying, I prayed over and over and over again um, that God would take this thorn away from me. But God said no. In fact, God responded and said, no, my grace is sufficient. My, gra my grace will be okay. Even if, even if you uh, don't get the answer you're hoping for here, Paul, even if you think that things would be better for you and, and you'd be a better minister if that were taken away, it, it, it's not going to happen. It's not my will. But I can tell you my grace is sufficient. And, uh, and so Paul said, well, pff, I'm, I'm good with that. When I am weak, then I am strong. Okay, so let's go back to what Chambers writes. There are times in your spiritual life when there is confusion, and the way out of it is not simply to say that you should not be confused. <laughs> that's the part that surprised me when I read that, and that surprises us. Because again, that's what, that's what the default is. That's what we typically want to tell someone. Oh, don't be confused about that. But I think Chambers is on the right track here. He continues, it is not a matter of right and wrong, but a matter of God taking you through a way that you temporarily do not understand. And it is only by going through the spiritual confusion that you will come to the understanding of what God wants for you. And I think that's right. Don't try to avoid the spiritual confusion. I, I realize it's a very uncomfortable, unsettling time. I get that. Believe me, I know I get that. But at the same time, sometimes that's where God wants us for right now. And the question is, will we be okay with that? 
Again, we go back to our friend Job, who was at a very unsettling time and didn't understand what God was doing and why he was acting the way he was acting or not acting in Job's life in particular. And, and Job really struggled with that, and he verbalized that, and his friends were very threatened by it, unfortunately. And then God comes along and he says, well, you know, Job, there's just a lot about being God that you don't quite understand. Will you be okay with that? And that was Satan's question at the beginning. Does Job serve God for nothing? Would Job serve God if he there was nothing really in it for him? If the answers to his, his prayers was no. If it felt like God wasn't listening, and yet God was still God, and he was still there, and he was still hearing, he was still listening, but Job had begun to doubt and wonder and be confused. Sometimes it's, it's okay to be confused, and we want to try to work through that and get through that. Believe me, I couldn't agree more. I like to feel like I'm on solid ground and have a firm footing for my faith. But you see, faith is just that. It's faith. And that means sometimes we're not going to get it. And we pray to a God who is much wiser than we are, who knows so much more than we do. He sees what's going on in my life clearly. He sees what's going on in the people I care about and I interact with in the world I live in all around us today. He sees that very clearly. And he sees what's ahead very clearly in my life, in the life of this world. Um, he sees it just as clearly as we see things that happened yesterday. That's how clear it is to God. And so the reason we pray is because it's an acknowledgement that God is greater than we are. Again, I believe that God exists and I believe that I'm not him. And that's why I pray to him. And that's why Jesus taught us to pray this, thy will be done. Thy will be done. Maybe it's mine. Maybe it's what I want. Maybe it's not. But either way, we should pray, thy will be done. And Jesus himself prayed that prayer in Gethsemane asking the Father to take the cup of suffering away that he knew was in store for him, and the Father said no. And so the Son, Jesus of Nazareth, went through all of that. But he had prayed, may your will be done. I pray that this won't have to happen, but if there's no other way, then may your will be done. That's the prayer we're supposed to pray. And that gets us to Luke 11. In Luke 11, Jesus gives the illustration of a man who appears not to care for his friend. After t teaching us to pray in that Lord's Prayer in Luke 11, uh, Jesus tells them this little story. Suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. We get that. that that's not an unreasonable thing. And suppose the one inside, his friend, answers, don't bother me. The door's already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. Well, that wouldn't be too surprising either. Would you answer the door if someone came to you in the middle of the night? Maybe you would if you recognize them. Maybe you wouldn't. Maybe you would just wait them out and hope that they leave because you just, for one reason or another, didn't want to answer. And so Jesus goes on, I tell you, even though the neighbor will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, that's not a strong enough bond to pull him out of bed, yet because of your shameless audacity, the NIV says, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Um, 
because of your persistence, because of your, you're not going anywhere. You're going to stand out there and beat on that door until he finally decides to get up. Well, that again, what, what in the world? What does that say about God? Is that, is, is God supposed to be the one, the friend inside that doesn't care enough because of our friendship to answer the door and give us what we need? Well, I'm not sure that that's the point that Jesus has, but it sort of is, isn't it? I mean, the point is persistence. Uh, the same is true of uh, uh, another parable in chapter 18 of Luke, where he says this. Um, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. Already we have a problem with that if that's who God is in the parable. But let's not get too caught up in the details, because in Jesus' parables, the details are not the point. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. She had a righteous cause. And she was going to the judge, but the judge is unjust in the parable. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me so that she won't wear me out. Well, again, th that gives us some confusion, does it not? I mean, we want to knock on that door and have God answer because God loves us and we're praying a prayer of faith. Uh, we want to go before the judge, the Lord, with our request for justice and vindication and to, for him to do right uh, against those who try to harm us unjustly, and we want him to act on that. But in the parables, both of those parables, Jesus seems to say, you know, God isn't always just going to jump up and do exactly what we ask him to do. And you know, when you put it like that, doesn't it make sense that that would be true? <laughs> if our expectation is for God to jump up and do exactly as we ask, then we don't have a very good understanding of our great and wise and holy and righteous God. Jesus makes this statement at the beginning of the second parable in Luke 18, when uh, Luke says this, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. You see that? We don't always get a little hint like that before a parable. But sometimes we do. We do in the parable of the lost sheep and the lost coin and the lost sons in Luke 15. And we get it here in Luke 18. And the point is this. We should always pray and not give up. But Bill, what happens if God doesn't seem to be listening? We should always pray and not give up. But Bill, what happens if we seem to be getting the answer we didn't want from our prayers? We should always pray and not give up. But Bill, what if I'm confused about where God is and is he listening and why is he not acting on my prayer? Through that confusion, it doesn't mean it's going to be answered and resolved. What Jesus is telling us is we pray in faith. We pray in faith to a God who is far greater, far wiser, far more loving, far more righteous than we. And so he says we should always pray and not give up. One last thing from Luke 11, uh, the last couple of verses here in this passage, in verses 11 through 13, Jesus says, Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? 
Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. Well, that's not a very good father. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And so here's Jesus' point, I think. As parents, if we're godly, healthy parents, we give good gifts to our children. We don't give them everything we want, but we give them good things that we think they need. And if that's true of good, healthy parents in this world, how much more true is it of the eternal God? who is our Heavenly Father, who knows exactly what we need and will always need. And so we can trust that, Jesus says, even when sometimes we can't understand it, and that's where the confusion comes in. Um, we think that God is not listening or that He's unkind and doesn't want to open the door as we're knocking or um, doesn't want to respond to our just cause. And that's when faith is really faith. And we work through that confusion. Uh, we don't necessarily try to end it and not be pretend that we don't are not confused. That's no good. But what we do is we acknowledge that confusion. And I think it's okay, and Job teaches us this, as do all the Psalms. I think it's okay for us to tell God, God, I'm confused. I don't get what you're doing right now. I don't get why you're not helping me here. And I think we'll see that God actually is helping us, however he acts, because he is the loving Father, but he is also the eternal God. And there will come a time, I think, when those things will be laid out. I'm not sure I agree with uh, some of the things that Oswald Chambers says um, in this chapter, because one of the things he says is that we, we know that one day uh, we'll understand uh, one day God will tell us why he's acted the way he has acted. Uh, he writes, hang on to the fact that God will ultimately give you clear understanding and will fully justify himself in everything that he has allowed into your life. Well, I'm not sure that we'll ever understand some things. Certainly not in this life, maybe not, maybe in the next, but maybe not because then it, it, it just won't matter. Again, that's what trust is. Trust is recognizing that God is God. And, and if I keep praying and I keep beating on that door and I, I keep going before that judge and I'm just not getting the response I want and I don't understand that. Faith says, I, I, I trust God. I don't trust how God acts. I trust God. Because I may think he's not acting very very kindly at the moment, I may think that I'm confused about how he's acting and why he's acting the way he's acting or why he's not acting the way I want him to act in response to my prayers. And so we have to work past that confusion, not necessarily try to not be confused, but in the midst of the confusion, call out to that God who knows and who loves and who's who understands and he sees us and he sees everyone else too and he sees the future just as well as the past and so he knows uh, Jesus said that there are times when your father will appear to be an uncaring um, unloving father because he's not responding to our prayers the way we think he should be but he's not callous and he's not indifferent
and he does care and he can act and he will act but he will act according to his will will he find the kind of faith that counts on him in spite of the confusion at the end of that um, parable in Luke 18 about the unjust judge and the woman who kept pestering him until she finally got her way Jesus makes this seemingly random statement but when the Son of Man returns will he find faith on the earth and that is the question isn't it when Jesus looks into my heart does he find faith faith that unquestionably will follow him and will will question it we'll have our doubts and we'll have our questions and we'll at times be confused but at no time will we let go of him at no time will we let go of our faith and as Chambers says, stand firm in faith, believing that what Jesus said is true, although in the meantime, we may not understand what he's doing. My dear, dear friends, I, th I think that's the truth. I think that's the truth. Because I need a God that's greater than I am in wisdom and in power. And that means when I pray, Father, your will be done, not mine, sometimes those aren't going to be the same. And when they're not, that's when faith is really faith. That's when Jesus looks into Bill's heart and he asks, do I find faith here? Not just on the earth, but here. In my heart and in your heart. We have a God who is worthy of our trust and faith. Even when we don't quite understand him. Even when he confuses us. We can still trust him. And he won't leave us. And he, he won't forsake us. And he'll stay right there with us all the way through it. I pray that you will trust in that God. Because he is your loving, caring Father. I'll see you on Tuesday. Let me rephrase that. I'll see you on Thursday, next Tuesday, next week I'll be gone to the Harding Lectures. So I won't be able to see you next week, but I will see you <laughs> on Thursday. Now you're really confused, right? I, I just did that on purpose so that you would have a great application to this lesson. Okay, that's not true. God bless, and I look forward to seeing you on Thursday.